One of the perks of my job is I always get artwork given to me on Sunday, and I hang all of it there by my office door, so I see it every day when I come, uh, come into the office. It's a blessing. Well, as Pastor Tammy said, this is the end of the uh, Christian year, and next week with Advent begins the new year for us. And I want to uh, tell you how excited I am about Advent at uh, Sun Creek this year. We've been working very hard since August on our worship experiences. We're going to be looking at the theme throughout the season of the story, the story of God's love for us, and then how we can connect our story to that story in a way that makes a difference in our life. We'll be looking at how the story of God's love is a story uh, about the future. It's a story of preparation. It's a story of truth. It's a story of hope. And it's a story of love. And each one of those sermons will be introduced by a video, an interview of someone in the congregation who speaks to that particular thing, theme for that day. Uh, and I want you to be thinking this week of someone that you work with or who lives near you or you run in the same circles or your kids run in the same circles with, someone that you can invite to come with you during Advent. They'll be very inclined to say yes, and it'll be a time that could be a blessing uh, to both of you very much. So I look forward to that starting next Sunday. Today we are answering that question, who is Jesus? And our text is from Colossians uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 11, reading through verse 20. Would you stand with me to hear these words of Scripture? May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Who are you? That's an interesting question, depending on who you ask, right? If I were to ask people, who are you? People would give 
different answers. We probably should narrow it down a little bit. Who are you to the people with whom you work? Who are you with your friends that you socialize with? Who are you the people at school? Who are you? You can ask that in a more specific and narrow scope. Who are you? Who am I? Well, I guarantee you that would depend on who you ask, right? The kids in churches through the years, it's always been a joy to me how they would sometimes get me confused with people like God and Jesus and things like that. You've heard me tell some of those stories, how at one church, when I pulled into the parking lot, a little boy looked at his dad and said, look, Dad, God drives a truck just like yours. Or here, walking through Connect Cafe, the preschool class that saw me getting ready to do a wedding in the uh, uh, baptismal garden said, look, Jesus is doing a wedding out there today. Or long ago in one of my churches when they were studying in Sunday school about how Jesus would have gone to worship and learned about uh, their Bible and all of that, uh, this boy looked at the teacher and said, I sure am glad Barry's our rabbi. And the teacher didn't know how to answer that question. If we could get on the phone and talk to my mother and you ask her, who am I? I have no doubt she would say something like this. Well, Barry Earl is my little preacher boy and I'm sure he needs a haircut. <laughs> that was one of the driving issues of her life was that I needed a haircut. If we could get on the phone and talk to my father, he'd say, oh, Barry, ah, that boy just ain't right. You know, it never would have changed with him. If you talk to people in churches that I have pastored across the years, it would really depend on who you ask. You would have questions across the whole spectrum. In the same church, you'd hear people say, man, Barry was the best pastor we ever had. And the next person would say, Barry was the worst pastor we ever had. Such is the life of a preacher. Who am I? Well, it's only when we see the whole of someone's life, the fullness of someone's life, do we really begin to get a glimpse of who they really are. We have to see the path that they traveled. We have to know the highs and the lows in their life. We have to see the struggles they faced and how they faced them and then, only then, can we begin to say with any authority at all, this is who that person is. Well, the question for us is today, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? Perhaps we wish we knew more about his story. Maybe you'd like to know more about his childhood with Mary and Joseph. We only have those two brief little stories at his bris and at his bar mitzvah, and that's it. We don't know anything else about the childhood of Jesus in our scriptures. I've had a lot of parents over the years ask me what I thought Jesus would have been like as a teenager which told me a lot about how things were going with their teenagers at home, right? You know, what was his relationship to his parents? How did his parents relate to him? 
What kind of relationships did Jesus have with his peers? When did he start to come to terms with who he was and what God had demanded of his life? We'd like to know more about his young adult years. Did Jesus go straight from Joseph's carpenter shop to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the baptizer? Or did he leave and spend some time in that desert community with his cousin John before getting baptized? We don't know. There's a lot of things we wish we knew about Jesus' life, but we know enough to know who Jesus really is. Paul and Timothy are writing this letter to the church 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, somewhere in there. And they're addressing, as they always do in these epistles, these letters that are in the New Testament, specific theological issues and philosophical issues that are going on in the life of the congregation. And this part of the letter, the text for today, they are giving their answer to our question. Who is Jesus Christ? You see, those early Christians, those that were in such close proximity and time to Jesus' life on earth, either came to follow Jesus by experiencing him themselves or by hearing the testimony of those who had experienced Jesus personally. And so they had a snapshot of who Jesus was. If they'd come to faith because they had been healed, then they knew Jesus as a healer. If they'd come to faith by the testimony of someone who had had a demon cast out, then they would have known Jesus as an exorcist. If someone had been searching for a purpose and meaning in their life and they'd heard Jesus teach on the side of the hill... They would have known Jesus as a sage or a great teacher. If someone had been in that crowd and ate of the loaves and fishes, they would know and understand Jesus as a miracle worker. All of those are true, but they're snapshots of the life. And Peter, I mean uh, Paul and Timothy are trying to come to an understanding that is not narrow but broad, a general way to talk about who Jesus is because the church is expanding rapidly and it includes not just Jewish people who have all the backstory, but Gentile people of every stripe who come from all different backgrounds and different cultures. How does this new thing called the church talk about Jesus in a universal way. That was no small task. But this is their answer. Jesus is the image of the invisible God in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Jesus is the image of the invisible God 
in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. They're not trying to explain the how of that. They are proclaiming the faith of that. This is who Jesus is. Jesus' life so reflected God, the character and nature of God, that to see God, see Jesus, was to see God. The invisible God was no longer invisible. Jesus' life so fully reflected God's life that to know Jesus was to know God. That to follow Jesus was to follow in God's way in your life every day. God was in Jesus, in other words, and Jesus was in God in such a way that it, they were one and the same. That is a powerful proclamation of faith of who Jesus is. But the good news just keeps on coming. In this text, not only is Jesus the image of the invisible God that makes God known to us, the one in whom all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, Jesus is also the one through whom God reconciles all things back to God, puts everything back in the right relationship with God. God's fullness is reconciliation. God's fullness is salvation. God's fullness is love and forgiveness. If our God, if our image of God is a God who's always trying to zap us or kick us or cull people out of the herd, we need to meet the God of Jesus. Because the God of Jesus, fullness is the reconciliation of all things. And all things include all people. And all people, praise the Lord, includes me and you. This is great, beautiful, good news. Jesus reflected the one major intention of God. And that was the salvation of the world, the reconciliation of the world. We need to be reconciled because sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. We're our own worst enemy. We're not alienated from God because of God's action. We're alienated from God because of ours, our choices and our action. And Jesus is the one that sets that right. We seem to live one of two ways. We either think we're too good and we have no need for forgiveness or no need for God, or we think we're so bad that we're beyond the reach of God, and both of those are wrong, and Jesus can deliver us from both of those misconceptions. Jesus is the one through whom God reconciles us. So, to... Paul and 
Timothy, who is Jesus, he is the image of God. Who is Jesus? Is one who God works in to reconcile all of us back to peace with God. The real question is always, who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to you? You see, whether we come to that place along the way as a child or whether we have that commitment in confirmation class, whether we're an adult, all of us somewhere along the line have to face that question and give an answer. Who is Jesus to me? Well, I can tell you who Jesus is to me. Jesus is the one who revealed God's love to me in a way that changes my life every day. Who is Jesus to me? Jesus is the one that I want to follow so that my life honors God in the way I treat other people, in the way I look at the world, in the things I stand for, and the things I stand against. Who is Jesus to me? the one I trust my very life to. What's your answer? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.